Hey church, my name is Nathaniel. If I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, uh, I'm part of the team here at BPCC and today I'll be wrapping up the series that we're in called Grace Changes Everything. But first, I'd love to lead us in a moment of prayer to ask that God would work through his word by his spirit as we come under his word today. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we come under your word now, we want to ask that you will speak to us, that you will open up our hearts, that you will open up our minds, Lord, that, that we will hear from your word, that we will hear what, what you have to say to us uh, as we think about how grace really does change everything in our lives. Father, I ask that you will uh, help us to, to grasp what you are saying, Lord, and you'll help us to apply it and to, to live this out, Lord, that we'll go from here today uh, ready and, and enthusiastic about submitting our lives more and more to you, about living out your grace in our day to day. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Les Mis, it's an iconic musical, maybe one of the most iconic musicals of all time. And there's one scene in that musical which really stood out to me above all the other ones. Uh, if you've seen it, you're probably familiar with it. Um, I think Adam's actually referred to this scene before in, in one of his sermons. Uh, but it's, it's right at the start of Les Mis. And, and Jean Valjean, he, he's the main character in the musical. Uh, he's, he's just gotten out of prison after a long term uh, in there for stealing bread, which, which he stole to try and feed his starving family. And he once again finds himself in trouble. With nowhere to go on a rainy evening, he's offered a shelter in, in the church by the Bishop of Dean. With no money and, and no work prospects, Valjean is desperate and he wakes up in the night and he steals some silver from the church. And on his way out, he's caught by the local authorities. They drag Valjean back into the bishop's residence and he's confronted for his wrongdoing. But the bishop, he sees an opportunity he sees an opportunity to not condemn a life, but to save it. You know, seeing the chance to live out his faith, the bishop chooses the second option there, and, and he tells the guards that the silver that Valjean took was actually a gift. It, it was given to him. And then he turns and he says to the stunned Valjean, but remember this, my brother. See in this a higher plan. You must use this precious silver to become an honest man. And that is what happens through the rest of the story. We see Valjean using his wealth to try and help others, to, to try and bless others in response to the act of mercy which he was shown. What the bishop did here is called grace. Grace is an undeserved gift or, or act of forgiveness. And that story, it's, it's got to be one of the most powerful ones outside of the Bible of how grace changes our relationships. So what is this, this grace that we have in mind? We're talking about the grace of God here. This describes what God has done for us, how God relates to us. Grace as an acronym, we, we could call it God's riches at Christ's expense. It describes how God saves us, not based on our merit, but on his mercy. It describes his kind and generous attitude towards undeserving sinners. The grace of God changes everything in our lives. And today we're looking at how this grace changes our relationships. Now the Bible has a ton to say on this, but today I want to focus in on some verses found in 1 John chapter 4. Let me read those for you now. From verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. 
Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This passage shows us that the way that followers of Jesus Jesus should relate to others around them is founded on the way that God has related to them. So as we think about how grace changes our relationships, we need to start with the most important relationship of all, God and us. So then, how has God loved us? I want to pause here and step back for a minute to make sure we cover an incredibly important truth because this truth is the most important truth that we can ever grasp. And I don't want to assume that everybody knows it. Even if we do already know it, we don't want to lose sight of it. I'm talking about the gospel. Gospel means good news. And the good news is that God made this world a good place. He designed us to live in close, perfect relationship with him and with one another. To live lives and and relationships focused upward to God and outward to others. But human rebellion against God called sin has broken this. The relationship between us and God has fractured. As a result, the relationships we have between one another and and even the world around us have become broken. That, That natural focus of our hearts has now shifted to building relationships which are focused inward, building relationships which are all about us and what we can get. Now, none of us were there when sin first entered the world, but all of us have added to this through our own actions. And there is nothing that any of us can do to to solve or to fix this brokenness. So, what did God do about this? And that is where the good news comes in. God didn't have any obligation to do anything. It would have been just and, and right of him to just remove humanity and start all over again. But God loves his people. He loves the world that he has made. So he showed us grace. He gave us what we do not deserve because of his love for us. How did he do that? Verses 9 and 10 there made that that really clear. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. And then again in verse 10, just in case we missed it, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is the good news of Jesus, that God has made a way to restore us to him. Jesus, who is fully God, became man. He came from heaven to earth. He took the penalty for our sins so that we might be given true life in Jesus. God's grace to us, that's the defining feature of the relationship that we have with him. In fact, it's the only reason that we can know him. So we first have to understand that. We first have to soak in that, that love that God has shown to us before we can even start thinking about how we're called to love others 
because the sort of love that he calls us to show others is a a crazy undeserved love, a grace of our own that can only be explained by the grace that God has shown to us first. We're a bit like Jean Valjean. You know, we, we've sinned against God, we've stolen from him, we've broken the relationship that we have with him. But he has forgiven us. He doesn't act as if there was nothing wrong there, but he pays the price for our sins. He shows us grace because he can, because he loves us. So before we continue on, you need to be sure of one critically important thing. Have you experienced that grace? Have you experienced the love of God? Is grace changing you? If you haven't yet claimed faith in Jesus, this is an opportunity for you. You know, when you look at the world around, surely you see that there is something broken in it. Surely you see the, the virus that's, that's causing so much turbulence around the world. Surely you see injustice. Surely you see pain. Surely you know that there is something that is not right. And if you're honest with yourself, surely you also look at your own heart, look at your own actions and see that there is something broken inside you. That you even let yourself down sometimes. The good news of Jesus is that he has made a way for us to be made right with him. He rescues us from the self-focused rat race of life and he sets us free to live a life focused upward on God and outward to others. That offer, it is freely available to you to claim by faith in him. But you need to claim that. Please take that up. Please do. True eternal life can only be found in Jesus. If you want to know more about that and and how you can claim faith in Jesus or if you have any questions about what it all means, please chat to a Christian friend. Come and chat to one of the staff team here at church. We would love to share with you about who Jesus is and what he has done for you. Pick up the Bible and and explore that for yourself. You 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 can start in Matthew maybe, the Gospel of Matthew, Mark and Luke and John, which talk about who Jesus is and describe his life and what he has done for you. As we look at how the grace of God changes our relationships, I hope that you're going to see how truly liberating life with Jesus is. Or if you're already following Jesus, which I know is is the majority of us here, then that is awesome. That is great. Let's just pause for a moment to appreciate how good, how great the love of Jesus is. That the God who, who created the cosmos, he created you. And even though he knows you, even though he knows every single little thing about you, every thought that you've thought, everything that you've done, despite all that, he loves you so much that he came, that he lived, that he died to take away your sin, to pay the penalty for you, to do what you could never have done yourself, to fix that relationship between us and God. How amazing is that? How, how incredible is the love of God to us? How could that grace not transform everything that we do, especially the way that we then relate to other people. Without seeing that the love of God shown to us, the love that he calls us to show other people around us doesn't really make too much sense. So what does it look like then to live out grace-based relationships? Let's first think about how grace changes the relationships between people who know 
who God is, who have experienced this love, who have, who have found that the grace that is only to be found in Jesus. That's the first key relationship, the relationship between one another. So let's look back at the, at the passage from 1 John chapter 4 we read earlier, where it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. These verses here, they're talking about the relationships between Christians, and the point is clear. If we have experienced the love of God, that is something which will change us, which will start to work in the way that we relate to other people. Grace changes everything. So a great indication of whether we have experienced the love of God is whether that is changing things about us, whether that is bearing fruit in our lives. Now that sounds great and that is great, but there's an obvious problem here. Christians often kind of suck at this. We still experience conflict. We still get upset at other Christians. We still have problems. We still miss opportunities to show God's love to others. In fact, studies into public opinion about Christianity often show that the way that Christians treat other people is one of the key reasons why a lot of people aren't interested in Jesus. So does that mean that God's grace just doesn't work all that well? Or does that mean that perhaps none of us have really truly accepted God's grace? Maybe we aren't made right with God. Is that the case? No, that's not the case at all. Because even though we are truly saved now, we are still sin-damaged people living in a sin-damaged world. Grace is changing our relationships, and that is an ongoing process. We were created to live lives which point upwards and point outwards. Upward in willing submission to God, outward in self-sacrificial love for our neighbours. But sin does twist that. Sin has twisted that to make our relationships inwardly focused on our own desires. And until Jesus comes to remove sin for good, then there will always be that battle between the old self and the old desires and the new self and the new desires who we have in Jesus. Sin is fundamentally selfish, it's, it's naturally going to dehumanize the relationships in my life. You know, when, when I'm looking at others through that, that lens of sin, that, that focus on self, people get reduced to being servants or to being obstacles. You know, if you're a servant for my wants, then I love you and I'm, I'm so glad you're in my life. You know, cards and compliments. By the way, could you get this for me? Could, could you do that for me? I really need this and, and you have it. Could, could you give that to me? I can't do any of that for you. I don't really quite have it right now. I'm a bit busy right now, but can you do it for me? Turns people into servants for our wants. And if you're an obstacle, then if you stand in the way that I want, I'm going to be angry at you for it. How dare you do that to me? How dare you not give that to me? How dare you stand in the way of me? Or perhaps I'll try and co-opt you back into the service of what I want. You are wrong and you need to make me feel better. You've broken things, and so you need to make it up to me. You owe me, 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 me. Following Jesus is all about submitting our selfishness to him, asking him to make us selfless, asking him to fix that problem of sin in our hearts, which naturally points everything around us in on ourselves. 
You know, we see this in so many places through the Bible. One that comes to mind is James chapter 4. He writes, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. And then submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. That is key to what grace changes about our relationships. Instead of using others to try and satisfy me, we share with others what God has given to us. Our relationships with one another become about pointing them to God, about showing God's grace back to them. If you're a follower of Jesus, is that a true reflection of the way that that your relationships with other Christians work? Do you see a change happening in your life? Do you see relationships shifting from from those which which are there to to benefit me to those which point upwards to God and, and outwards to the good of others? Do you have relationships which are growing in grace? Is there real forgiveness where wrongs have been done? Is there real love where others are hurting? Is there real support and care when others are struggling? Is there real celebration when others grow, especially when that takes the spotlight off you? And is grace removing those behaviours which sin brings? Now, if we're truly focused on one another, that means that gossip has no space in our relationships and our community. That when conflict or, or comes up or when we're wronged, we aren't focused on getting even. We're focused on getting right with other people. And you know, I am so encouraged by how much I see the grace of God being reflected among our church family. You know, there are the things which are organized, which are flourishing, like the care ministry, uh, the meals which are, which are prepared for people in our church family when they go through a rough time, the gardening team there to help out uh, their others when they, when they aren't able to care for their, their property and their lawns, or even in less structured things, the willingness to serve that we see around our church, people jumping in to do things and to help out. Uh, the strength of community after services, you know. Sometimes, you know, if, if I'm on luck up, I need to know, make sure that I know that I, I can't leave too, too late because there's going to be tons of people here having fun, connecting with one another, having, having chats, sharing a coffee, building and strengthening that community. Uh, look at the high involvement in growth groups in our church family, people who are getting together and committing time to, to growing closer to God as part of a group all the many strong friendships which are constantly forming in and amongst our church community, I could keep on going on. The point is I am so encouraged by how I get to see this being lived out in our church family as grace is at work changing our relationships in a way which is outwardly and upward focused. And I've experienced this myself. All those things I just mentioned, I've been able to experience myself But when I think about how grace has changed my relationships, there's one example that came straight to mind. In fact, when I started working on this sermon, this this example came straight to mind. It's it's a recent memory for me, uh, but one which is going to be a treasure in my heart for for a very long time. 
A few months ago, I got to marry my beautiful wife, Rachel, here in this church. We were standing up here, you know, Jim and, Jim and Adam were standing there, and, and we got up here, and, and we looked up at the st- out from the stage, and looking out across this building, none of my family were there. None of, none of, my, none of my blood relatives were there. Uh, due to border closures, um, my family, who all lived down in Victoria, they, they weren't able to get here. They, they were live online. They were here with us in spirit. They, they, were going, they, were, they were in as part of the service through the camera. But, you know, that's, that's not the same. However, standing here, you know, looking out at the church building, I looked at the side where the groom's family normally sits, and that side was packed packed full of faces of people who I know and love, packed full of the faces of of people who have shown grace and love and care and forgiveness to me, packed full with faces who I've been able to show God's grace to as well. I was surrounded by my church family. And that was an incredible time for me to see and experience how God's grace, God's love changes our relationships. This, this love that God works in us leads to a love for one another that is exceptional and it is unusual, so much so the world around will see that. Jesus said this himself. He said, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So is that true in, in your relationships with other Christians? If a friend who doesn't know Jesus was to look in on the way that you relate to, to other Christians, would they see a love for one another that is so strong that it is unique to followers of Jesus? Would that friend see God's grace at work? When we find life in Jesus, that leads us to live an exceptional life together. But maybe hearing this is actually a bit discouraging for you. Maybe you're thinking of all the times that you haven't been loving, that that you haven't helped where you could, or, or that you have been tempted to gossip or to hold a grudge, or maybe it's discouraging because you've been hurt by other people in the church, people who haven't shown the love of God, people who haven't reflected his grace in their relationships. And maybe thinking about what it should be makes you feel a bit sad. That then brings us full circle back to the grace which is shown in Jesus because that is what it is all about. He restores us. He makes us right without, with himself without us having to do anything to deserve that. When others bring hurt or rejection, their actions don't change his goodness. And when we find ourselves lacking, which we always will, he doesn't suddenly come at us with condemnation, but he comes at us again, time and time again, with grace, forgiving our sin and working in us so that we can be made more like him. So if that's you, and it's me too, then take this opportunity to draw close again to God, to submit your heart to him, to ask him to work in you, that he will show his love more fully in your relationships. Ask him to show his grace where others have have not shown this love well. We aren't going to get this right all the time. But if love forgiveness, kindness, if showing God's grace doesn't characterize our relationships at all, if if you aren't seeing any growth in this in your life, then alarm bells should be ringing because God's grace does and will and is changing our relationships. Are you day by day laying your heart at his feet to be changed by his grace?
John, 1 John 4 speaks about loving one another as an expression of God's grace. But what about those who aren't part of one another that John speaks about? Now that brings us to the, the third and the final point that I want to make about how grace changes our relationships. Because grace changes our relationships between us and everyone. Because even though in, in 1 John 4, he speaks about how grace changes our relationships with, with one another, with other Christians, the Bible is full of passages which show how grace changes the relationships between us and everyone else who doesn't know Jesus as well. Now, let me hit the pause button here for a second. Have you ever walked in on a conversation that was about you, like obviously about you? A little bit awkward, right? You know, I would hate to walk into the office and they're going, oh, it's, Nathaniel was so boring today and didn't like it. That'd be a bit, bit, bit awkward. Hey, maybe when I brought up relationships with those who don't know Jesus, you thought, ah, yes, that's, that's me. You know, maybe you avoided eye contact with, with someone else. If, if so, then yes, we're talking about you. And I hope that you're paying attention because as followers of Jesus, we really mean what we're saying here. We aren't trying to trick you into something. We aren't trying to put a, a three-step process of how to make people think that we're actually serious about faith. God's grace really does change everything. It really does change our relationships. I hope that you've experienced that. I hope that you're joining us online or you're here today because you've experienced the, the grace of God being shown by someone in your life. I know that there have probably been times when Christians haven't shown this to you, maybe not as well as they could have, maybe not at all. And I hope that you see through that, that you see the change which God is constantly working, a change which isn't complete, a change which, which doesn't happen all at once, but a change which does happen when we experience God's grace. Now, back to our relationships with everyone. They too go from being inwardly focused to being upward and outward focused. So grace should change those relationships just like it does change relationships with people who are also following Jesus. But there's a natural difference here because we can't expect someone who hasn't experienced the love of God to reflect that love of God back to us. Our relationships take on a whole new purpose, a whole, a whole new direction. We are now showing God's love to people so that they too may experience this love of God. We see this perspective in action in 2 Corinthians 5 of God's grace shown in Jesus as the driving force behind our relationships. Paul writes there, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. And then we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled with God. God made him who had no sin, that's Jesus, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. When we experience the goodness of a restored relationship with God, when we're changed from that inward approach to an upward and an outward approach to relationships, we will want others to see the grace and goodness of God. You know, if we're outward focused, we are going to want the best for others and the best for others is that they too will know God. And what better way to do this than to show them, 
to show them the change which God works in us. Titus chapter 2 speaks of this, encouraging people in every walk of life to treat others as well as they possibly can, to show God's grace in every situation they can possibly find so that when they say the message of Jesus, when they share this good news, it will be as attractive as possible because it is, it is at work in the lives of the people who are saying it. That is the effect of grace on our relationships with others. Grace liberates us so that this relationship with God is possible. And it liberates us to have relationships with with others which are focused on pointing others to the goodness that is found in Jesus. So how could that attitude, how could that approach transform the way that you relate to others who don't know Jesus yet? Or maybe how is that? changing the ways that, that you relate to others. Because I know that there are so many stories in our church family of, of ways that people have been coming along to, to church because of, the, of how someone in their life has shown them God's goodness. So how does that or how could that change your relationships at work with, with your boss and your co-workers and, and maybe the people who work under you? How could that change your relationships around friends with, with your mates? How could that change your relationships at home, in the family, whether that's with siblings or parents or kids? How can grace keep on changing your relationships? How can you you submit your life to God to be transformed by His grace? There are so many different ways that God can change our relationships by His grace, but they all come down to expressing the grace which God has shown us. All the ways that that we seek to express God's love to others, they're all about pointing them to God. It's not about our grace being an amazing and perfect thing. It's about us showing others what it really means to live life as a broken person who has been saved and is being changed by Jesus. We're going to make mistakes in that. We won't be able to help every person in our lives see how good Jesus truly is. But, It isn't about us. You know, if other people are to be saved, they also will be saved by God's grace, not by our works. So we can do our best to point others to the grace found in Jesus and trust God that he will work in their hearts. As we close, I would love to pause and reflect on the words of this familiar song which we're going to be singing together in in just a moment. A song which captures the heart of God's grace to us. Grace which changes everything. I hear the Saviour say, Your strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me your all in all. Because Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Lord, now indeed I find your power and yours alone can change the leper's spots and melt the heart of stone. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. That is grace. The grace of God, which means that we're now set free from serving ourselves. 
We are liberated to live relationships, to live life in a way which points upwards to God, which points outwards to others. We're set free from serving our own wants and our own gain. We are now set free to serve God, to serve others. And we're given the privilege of living a life which reflects God's goodness to all around. How's that for a beautiful message? I'd love to send us out with these words from 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 5. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. Amen.